cheese boy. Do. I don't hear anything. Probably because I'm not plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> Derp. Never mind. What wasn't plugged in? My headphones. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> sounds like a <laughs> like you problem. So I uh, finally checked my mail. Guess what? What? It's full of garbage. Anything of value? Like, like 99% of it was just garbage. Uh, good news, no jury duty. That so is good. Won't be arrested. Well, not for, for that. For now. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be arrested for missing <laughs> How long duty? did you go without checking your mailbox? Uh, I don't know. It was weeks. Yeah, you mentioned it a while it back. It was a few episodes ago, but I finally did it, and uh, now I'm back on to a few weeks of not checking it again. Isn't it attached <laughs> to your house? No, it's not. It's, it's at the, the end of the driveway. It's all the way at the end. Oh. Once you pull into the driveway, like... Did you stop getting my mail? Uh, you know what? Once in a blue moon, I'll get like a... That, whatever that medical one is that I always I tell you about. Have. No, yeah, just throw it away. And, it yeah. was um, my old insurance plan when I was paying out of pocket. So Dave Thompson, shout out DT. He is um, one of our new Patreon subscribers. Hey, and hey. Cool. That's your tech guy, right? Yeah, that's the IT guy at work. So, um, And he's been like... He he stopped for a while listening to us, and he's been back on it since I told him about the Kurt Cobain one. And he was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for you to post the Jim Morrison one on Spotify." And I was like, "We're not going to post it on Spotify, not for a long time." Yeah, you are a Patreon subscriber, and he was like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna listen to it right now." <laughs> he's like, "I want to know what the fuck happened with that guy." So, anyways, he listened. <laughs> he's, he's been listening, and then. On Friday, he texted me. Oh, was that that short little uh, uh, screenshot? He said, I'm at the rock gym getting ready to climb. And there's a girl here wearing a Death by Music podcast t-shirt. Yeah. And I was like, that would be Sam. And I said, you should tell her that you listen. She's friends with Cassie. And he was like, fuck that. Stranger danger. (laughs) 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 I was like, okay, valid point. Oh, my gosh. And um, I did not. Response. I did not get a response after that. And then when I went into work, he came up to me and he was like, you should know better than to tell me to go up to a stranger. Do you really think that I'm going to go up to a stranger and start a conversation? <laughs> I like I this guy. Like, Jake, are y'all friends? Dude, you, you guys would be great friends. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was kind of crazy that you were at the rock gym. Like, that's fucking... That, that's true. I thought maybe you were taking steps to be more social. And he was like, no, I only do it for my kid. Uh-oh. So I was like, okay. So is he this like a climbing. rock climbing yeah. thing? I did the rock climbing wall at the uh, on the ship. On oh, the cruise yeah. we went on a couple years ago. Yeah. We're ready to get rolling here. Rolling, 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 rolling. I'm, I'm giving you space to talk, Jake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that That's was, all I have was, to say about that. That... <laughs> Well, sure, you can go ahead and do your part now, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I I prepared something. Uh, feel free to a sing speech? along. If you if you want to sing, you can. Jake oh, because oh, like right you now. have to do the intro in the... <laughs> I don't have to, but I'm going to. Oh, okay. Try. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Death by Music Podcast. We are going to kick your fucking ass. I am Jake. That's Alex and Cass. Rocking and fucking rolling and fucking rocking and fucking rolling and fucking that's what Jake could do for a half that an hour. That was fucking incredible. 
I practiced that in oh the car God. the whole way over here. Oh I didn't gosh. think you started, and I was like, he's not going to do the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Well, that's the he whole Mozart part, of the, uh, Mozart part of that song. Oh, my God. I fucking love it. That's why you said we have to include Classico. Yes, that was uh, a, a part of Classico by Tenacious D. Yes, they included Bach, Beethoven, and that. Last bit, there was Mozart. Which is who we're talking about today. Someone at work told me one time that I reminded them of Jack Black. And I was like, that is the highest compliment. Thank you. I fucking love Jack Black, (laughs) dude. I'm telling you. He's a cool guy. I love him. You ever like date someone that's like jealous of your celebrity crush? Because I have. And I was like, man, I fucking love Jack Black. Like, I would marry the shit out of him. And one of my exes was like, jealous of that fact. Like, really? What do you think he's like? You think he's like more attractive than me? I was like, bro. He's definitely funnier than you. Um, <laughs> <so>. this was. <laughs> Just by your inflection, I know who you're mocking. Uh, Damn. Yeah. You think you're cool because you pee with your penis. Sorry. What is that from? The hot chick. Rob Schneider. Oh, okay. Um, all right. But yeah, so today we're talking about Mozart. And this is because at some point, I think it was last during summer. last last season. I honestly don't remember when we got this email. Okay. It had to be last summer, I think, because season Cause three had, had already started. started. Yeah, yeah. So um, we got a really awesome email from somebody. Her name is K- Miss K. Byrne, and here is what she said. Hello, Death by Podcast team. I am a music ed student, and I really loved your mini episode featuring Giuseppe Tartini. Um, It was a mini episode about selling your soul to the devil. Yeah, got to go with this Giuseppe. Giuseppe. We've got the the hands. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really know what to call that. It's Italian. She said, I really like hearing about classical composers when they are described as real people. The history books are terrible about brushing things under the rug. And I would be so excited if you featured more Renaissance, classical, Baroque, and Romantic era composers. I would highly recommend Jean-Baptiste Lully, who died from stabbing himself in the foot with his conducting staff. Oh, I forgot about that guy. For French masculinity. While working for the Sun King, King Louis the Fourteenth, there's actually a really great movie that features him called Leroy Dance, which shows some of the strange things France was doing in music to assert their dominance and superiority in all aspects, including music and dance over other countries. Another option, of course, might be Mozart the Fuckboy, which is the one we have opted to cover today, or perhaps Henry Purcell. I would also love to hear about Charlie Parker and Louis Armstrong, which, of course, is another genre entirely. If I hear anything about odd music composer or if I hear anything about odd composer deaths in music history next semester, I will happily send their their info your way. I was also very inspired by your Wendy O. Williams episode. So this was last one. Okay. Thank you for breathing life back into music history. I hope to teach a PG version of a PG version music history <laughs> class someday as a teacher, Miss K. Burns. Well, you know, she'll get to use the word scatological after this one. <laughs> yes, she and, will. But we'll get there. She, That's the thing about music history classes that they don't go in depth about the personal lives. They go with what they did to yeah. help the music at the yeah, time. Yeah, it's more that. about analyzing so, their music and right. what and they did. And... With my class, it was like you had to know who did what. Like they would play a, a clip from a song and you had to know who it was. Mm-hmm. And all of that shit sounded the same at certain points in time. So like, <laughs> I'm good at that now from like classic rock to like current music, but right. But it's when like, it's all a, an orchestra. Yeah. You're like, I don't fucking know. That could be, that could be difficult <laughs> to pick take out. that class twice. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm. This one was kind of fun to write though. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah. I tried to 
I didn't get a huge list, but at the end, I got a couple listings of songs that I recognized just by listening to the music while mm-hmm. I was writing, yeah. uh, along with the classical piece and yeah. a couple other references. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a couple of modern examples of people using Mozart's music right. that I have. Yeah, so. Sample yeah they like sample it. So I, I really hope, I mean, if you're somebody who's clicked on this episode and you don't know if you're going to like it, please fucking give it a chance. Do not tune out because this is one of my favorite ones that we have written. Um, it was really fun. Like, incredibly interesting, and I thought it was yeah. going to be boring. And it bums me out because I know that people, when they browse our podcast, they're looking for the big names. That's why Kurt Cobain, right off the bat, had so many plays. Like, the debut of those episodes was fucking huge. I just worry that people aren't going to click on Mozart or give it a chance because not a lot of people actively are, like, listening to his music, and they're like, fucking Mozart, yeah, what are you... They probably think it's going to be boring. mistake by not actively they listening. They are. So if yeah, you, you are one of the people who's listening to this one... We cut out all the boring shit for you. <laughs> yeah, we already did We that. already read it, so you don't have to. Yeah, you know we're going to make it interesting for you. So, like, make sure that your friends who listen to the show also listen to this one. Just talk it up. Yeah. We also thought Sell Karen it. Carpenter wouldn't do well, and she was... That's true. That was the like, number one episode of season one, I believe, which I was like, I for sure thought it would be Elvis, but... Elvis. Anyways, um, so let's get to our Thor sales. Wikipedia. Sure. 17 Bizarre, Mind-Blowing Facts and Stories About Mozart by Phil Gibbons. Mozart, A Life by Peter Gay. The Joy of Mozart, which was a BBC documentary, MozartWays.com. Historian Explores the Evolution of Personal Hygiene by Faiza El <laughs> Masri. I guess that was Jake's source mm-hmm. at voanews.com. MozartKugel.at, which I'm assuming is Austria. Yep. The, the Marriage of Mozart by George Hamilton on independent.ie. And then a classic FM article, How Mozart Met His Wife. Interesting little character that we've got here. Something we may not have covered, if not for the suggestion of Miss Kay Byrne many moons ago, which I hope she's a part of our Facebook group. And I hope she's still listening because that was a long time ago. So <laughs> inspired by the phrase Mozart the fuckboy that she so eloquently put in her email, yeah. we put together an episode that is way more interesting than I anticipated. So I hope it gets the attention and plays that it deserves our lane staley episode got plays through the roof um but this one i think in comparison fascinating hilarious i just never expected a classical composer to be such an odd character there's gonna be daddy issues burning assholes jumping from one sister to the next secret societies bob saget and of course death you had me at burning assholes (laughs) let's go (laughs) cassie Cassie started this one off, so she has no idea. This is going to be fun for me to read back through because I didn't even finish it. Yeah, she she got like several pages in and then me and Jake took over. We were like, we got you. Don't even worry about it. So she doesn't know what kind of fucking (laughs) bullshit is in here either. Every reaction will be candid. (laughs) I'm interested. Did Bob Saget make a Mozart joke or is this like? We'll get there. Okay. All right. Internet reference. It's okay. Don't, don't explain it. Don't <laughs> Just, explain yeah, the we'll, joke. We'll get Still, there. We not ringing to, any bells. We so. have to make the joke. Yeah, go okay. ahead. All right. So Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born on January 17th. Ni- That's not what that says. January 17th. It says 27th on mine. I printed mine out. Oh! Yeah, I, I also see 27th. I'm looking and I'm at it, it and I said 17th <laughs> as it says 27th. Okay, we're going to start over. Okay, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born on January 27th, 1756 to his parents Leopold Mozart and Anna Maria in Salzburg, Germany. Salzburg wasn't annexed by Aust- Austria until the early 1800s, so that's why I guess it was still technically in Germany right. at the time. So he was the youngest of seven. Five of his siblings had died in infancy. 
His older sister was Maria Anna, named after her mother, obviously. Never would have guessed it. <laughs> Wolfie, ya boy, was baptized at St. Rupert's Cathedral in Salzburg the day after his birth. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Nah, I mean. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. Look, look, look. We all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta don't play with it. Play with it. No. Take that shit St. Rupert's Cathedral or Salzburg Dom. Uh, I feel like I've been there. You may have. You've Wait, been, you've been in Europe, right? Have you been there? Oh, did I go to Salzburg? I don't. Re- mm-hmm. I don't remember. Maybe I've We've been there too. We've literally been there. We went to salt. That remote, that's where we went in the salt mines. Oh well, that would make sense. It is salt. We I think Salzburg is salt mountain, basically. Salt, that is or exactly salt castle what it means. or something like salt that. Fortress. Right. So what's Salz Dom? Ber- Berg is a <laughs> Dom is a uh, cathedral. Dom, so like a church. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. Salzburg Dom has been around since about 774 in some form or another. It went through several restorations during medieval times, and at one point was so badly damaged it was demolished and completely completely rebuilt around 1600 in the Baroque style. Sick. Now, Cassie, have you ever been to Europe? No. Okay, so you've never been in a Baroque church before. No, hey, I Bar- am Baroque. They no. <laughs> these are some of the most ornate and extravagant churches yeah. I have ever seen. They are. Uh, they're amazing. Yeah, they're 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 amazing <laughs> to look at when you go into them. They're they're just overwhelming the amount of detail and mm-hmm. the the gilding i guess you can call it where they paint it gold and whatever and all yeah. the, the paintings it's it's fucking ridiculous every fucking corner every inch of everything is ornate as fuck it's yeah. crazy Baroque churches are nuts um That's a cool. single bomb did crash into the building during uh, world war ii and that restoration was completed in 1959 um father leopold was an osberg osberg augsburg augs well yeah just say augsburg (laughs) i am white okay um so are germans (laughs) (laughs) easy for you father leopold an augsburg native was a minor composer and experienced teacher in 1743 he was appointed the fourth violinist in the musical establishment of count leopold anton von fermian who at the time was the ruling prince archbishop of Salzburg. Uh, four years later in 19... Or nope. nope. <laughs> Numbers are hard. Four years later in 14... <laughs> God damn it. I think I'm dyslexic. In 1747, Leopold married Anna, who was the mother. <laughs> 1900 to 1400 to the proper 1700 so in 1763 they're living their life and leopold became the orchestra's deputy capelmeister um literally translates to master of the chapel choir and designates the leader of an ensemble musician aka bandmaster or conductor yes so same thing so baby wolf gang comes along but in the same year his dad publishes a violin textbook called versuch nope e- Versuk? Nope. Just go through it really fast, and I want to see how you pronounce this. Versuk? 
Einer Gundenchang of violence. <laughs> All right, now, Jake, do you want to do the actual uh, principle? I, I will attempt it, and uh, we'll see what and happens here. And then I'll here. correct both of you. Okay, go uh, ahead. Wow, the elitist. Versuch einer grünlichen Violenschule. Yeah, that was that was it. That yeah. one. Gotcha. Which became a New York Times bestseller. Jake, it didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't exist yet. But if it did... Uh, my dumbass didn't even question it when he <laughs> said it was a New York Times bestseller. Dumbass. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so Wolfie's now three years old, his sister's seven, and she starts learning the keyboard from their father. Piano? Same thing. No, yeah, same thing. Anything that's got that the keys on it, that is the keyboard. Well, yeah. For so okay. the the you know anything from a grand piano to a guitar. Uh, uh, yeah, guitar. <laughs> it's got a keyboard on it. That's what that is. Cool. Mm-hmm. So baby Wolfie loves it. He spends much of his time picking out thirds on the keyboard himself because he's three. <laughs> <laughs> so when he turns four, he picks out fourths. Mm-hmm. And his father taught him a few minuets and several pieces he could play. And Mozart was a natural. Never missing a beat, literally. A minuet is a social dance for two people in three-quarter time or triple time, as I saw it described. Uh, it also describes the music get, that goes along with the dance, so they're kind of one and the same. Yeah, It's the music and the dance. So he was able to keep time and play delicate pieces, and by the age of five, he was composing his own work. Okay, well, I am excited to get into Baby Geniuses and Prodigies. The movie? Because Baby Geniuses. Is that a movie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Because um, he's five years old. You know, this is nuts. He's composing at five. Obviously, we've talked about musicians who have displayed talent from a very young age like this, but it's almost unmatched. It is like unmatched to the level of skill that Mozart just had. If you look up child prodigy on the Wiktionary, you'll find a picture of Mozart. Seriously, (laughs) though, like there's only a picture of him. Um, It's just him. It's technically a person who's under 10 that is insanely skilled in some area past that of even an adult expert in that subject. Basically, just wicked talented. Yeah. I I was somewhat of a child prodigy myself. I was insanely skilled at not talking to people. You're... Sure. You're still really good at that. It's it's something I've carried with me throughout my life. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> should we sign you up I'm for an expert like, at it. you should get an award or something? Guinness World Book Yes, of give me money. Most quiet. <laughs> That's a superlative. <laughs> Shyest. <laughs> so prodigies usually have similar characteristics like long-term working memory which is remembering very specific information for hours as opposed to seconds or minutes. So say like you learn multiple, like 10 phone numbers in a row. No. And then you two or three hours later still remember those exact phone numbers in a row. Maybe you don't remember it tomorrow, but it's your working memory. Like me, I won't even remember it for one second. Um, Or, you know, if you could remember a whole fucking musical piece by ear, which is something that we will get to. Um, So in your brain, you have the cerebellum. Bullshit. In your brain. Do you not have one? <laughs> Prove it. I can't see it. All right. Um, <laughs> which in prodigies is super efficient and quick with streamlining thought processes. Um, prodigies are believed to be formed based on natural skill, environmental factors, and a certain level of training. Interestingly, prodigious kids can fall short as adults because they just don't give a fuck. <laughs> They achieve success so easily as a kid and like without trying that they don't really develop the connection between hard work and positive outcomes. Basically, they don't own their success because they didn't have to try. So they don't feel like they deserve whatever kind of awards and recognition or whatever. Sure. So you perfectionists are about to get triggered. Rosemary collared soul get soul get. I don't know how to say that. Bob Saget. Uh, no. 
wrote, <laughs> if that's not quite it, we're not there yet. It's close enough. I we were close. Um, she wrote about the problems that perfectionism causes in kids. This is directly from Wikipedia. Gifted children often associate even slight imperfection with failure so that they become fearful of effort, even in their personal lives and in extreme cases end up virtually immobilized. I feel like I've just started to overcome this. I, mean, I just recently told someone about how I don't do things unless I'm good at them or know that I'm going to succeed at them and be the best. So like perfectionist as fuck. So so colon cleanses. Oh my god. You only did it because you knew you would succeed and be the best at it. <laughs> I would shit the most. <laughs> and I did. Um yeah, no, and I think Cassie you can I can relate to this. I mean, not that I was a product. I mean, but I was really good at softball. So like Mm -hmm. when I had to start trying and practice because there were people that were like gaining on me being Mm -hmm. better. I was like, this is dumb. I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was so afraid that I wouldn't be good. I just like to naturally be good at stuff. So if I'm not good at it, then I don't do it. And that's been something that's been an issue for me for a while. But I also only do things that I'm good at so that you perceive that I'm good at everything. But I don't try this, 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 and this because I know I'm going to fucking suck at it. And if you see me failing, then none of the success in other fields even matters. It's because society puts this pressure on us to be good. At everything. And productive and productive members of society. So if you like say I'm going to do one thing and then you just go, oh, I'm going to quit it. And people are like, you can't quit. Don't give up. And so I just like, don't start doing it because yeah. then I never had to fail at it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good Sounds plan. Good. So anyway, um, while Wolfie played, his father would write his compositions down in the family Nenerl notebook. I do Note believe book. that's the It's like his sister's for nickname. His sister, yes. Yeah. So I didn't see it. There's not like a translation for that. They just called her Nenerl. So anyways, he was, and when it says that he was playing, we don't mean with toys. We mean like literally writing compositions, like playing an instrument. His dad would write it down so that it was preserved. Because this kid probably couldn't even write. No. Maybe he's five. And I don't know when kids learn to write, though. They probably didn't have to when they were five years old in the 1700s. No. They also didn't have public school either. Yeah. Well, maybe they did. I don't fucking know. I was having pencils back then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this was a book which Leopold Mozart from 19... No. 1759 <laughs> to about 1764 wrote pieces for his daughter, Anna. While there was a bit of a debate whether Mozart was four or five when he created his feast, feast musical, <laughs> his first musical compositions, there is little doubt that the first three pieces were composed just weeks apart. Mm. Homeboy has some serious skills, y'all. Okay, so half of the symphonies he wrote were composed between the ages of eighteen and ni- or eight and nineteen. <laughs> no, you can't do numbers. I told you. You're gonna have to start spelling them out. So oh, maybe I'll try that. Do I have any more down here? Uh, there's there's a few yeah uh, i wouldn't imagine his works at five years old being that good but if you look up k1 you can find videos of people performing it in a, on on a youtube or spotify or whatever you want to watch it on while it is fairly basic it's still very impressive uh, i'm i'm just curious how much his father may have embellished wolfie's early work since you know he was only five and he yeah. was the one writing them down so he who, who, who knows so you heard me say k1 and you may be wondering exactly what that means well, in 1862, Ludwig von Kirschel managed to successfully create a chronological catalog of Mozart's works, listed from his very first work, K1, to his last and unfinished work, K626, or Requiem. 
Uh, it's had several revisions over the years with addition, uh, additional findings being added. But if you're curious, you can find the complete listing with the updated numbers and all that crap on uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> crap. In the <laughs> early years, Wolfie's dad was his only teacher. And while he taught, him, or taught them music, he also had them learn several languages and academic subjects. He wasn't about to have some dumb kids. However, Retweet. once Leopold noticed Mozart's <laughs> composition and raw talent for violin, Leo gave up composing himself because his he just knew his son was something special. So Yeah, that's crazy when your kid is so good at doing your job, yeah. you just quit. He must be a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So supposedly Mozart... Mozart's father was a monstrous man, and there's a debate amongst scholarly articles whether or not he was exploiting and manipulating his son. Typical musician's dad. I'm willing to say yes. Started way back then. Mm -hmm. So on top of all that, they also argue with his father, or they also argue that his father's overbearing drive and insistence upon success made Mozart the great composer he was. So here we go again, folks. Musicians with daddy issues. Ding, ding, (laughs) hee, hee. So as a child, Wolfie was needy and sought constant affection. What a fucking bitch. God, (laughs) please tell us how you really feel. I was going to say same. (laughs) So the family traveled quite a bit, making several trips to Europe where Mozart and his sister performed as child prodigies. Weren't they already in Europe? Other parts of Europe. (laughs) Leopold (laughs) Leopold quit his job so he and Mozart could gallivant around embarking on lengthy, grueling tours and his father would be pocketing the profit. Beach boys. was gonna say britney spears oh true same oh my god <laughs> why does this happen so often yeah <laughs> while on tour mozart would sometimes wake up sobbing and wake list up government put a little makeup <laughs> <laughs> and he would list off all the people he missed back home he oh. also asked his parents and other adults if they loved him however most adults thought this was a prank so they told him no and mozart oh did god. not take that well <laughs> that's shitty so, I mean, I laughed, but that's super messed up. <laughs> it's at this point that the term Mozart the fuckboy that was put in that email really started to make sense for me. Because if he was constantly seeking attention and approval from his elders, it makes sense that he would grow up and then be desperate for attention from romantic partners. So, is that what fuckboy means? It, that's exactly like yep. a non-monogamous dude that just is looking Fucking around. all over the place. Okay. Yeah. Um, a man whore, Putting basically. that stick in. Oh. <laughs> That was her best fuckboy voice, too. (laughs) (laughs) So they were at an exhibition in 1762 at the court of Prince Elector Maximilian III III of Bavaria in Munich and the imperial courts in Vienna and Prague. The two then went on a long concert tour spanning three and a half years, taking the rest of the family to the courts of Munich, Mannheim, Paris, London, and more. While touring, Wolfgang met plenty of musicians and got to know the world's other composers. His personal favorite being Johann Christian Bach. Uh, Not to be confused with the other Bach. (laughs) They actually visited him in London in 1764 and 1765. So it did confuse me. Uh, Um, I thought that Johann Christian Bach was a typo at first because I only know Johann Sebastian Bach. Sure. Turns out Johann Christian Bach was... Uh, Sebastian's 18th child. Oh, oh my God. That's so many. They were Catholic, they weren't they? More, you know it. Okay. I mean, I don't know, but they probably <laughs> definitely were. Um, so he was the youngest of 11 sons, uh, but that still wasn't all the kids that they had. That dude had 20 fucking kids over the course of two wives. Those poor women. Dude <laughs> couldn't pull out of a parking space. <laughs> I mean, literally, they didn't have cars back then. Oh, my God. And I was also going to make a Catholic joke, but they were Lutheran. Which came from the Catholics? 
Right. <gasps> and I guess neither Kane. group had any pullout strategy, much like the U.S. government. <laughs> oh. Wow, also, Jake, you should be a stand-up comedian. Yes. Also, I wonder if all the boys' first names were Johan. Like Johan so. Bob, Johan Greg, Johan John. <laughs> Sounds like a Star Wars kid. Um, when I was eight years old, I was still trying to figure out how to ride my bike. When Mozart was eight years old, he wrote his first freaking symphony. Transcribed by his father, of course. Show off. Yes, but could he ride a bike? Oh, that's a good Did they have thing, bikes right? back then? He couldn't ride a bike. <laughs> when was the bike invented? They did. Oh. You know those ones with a big wheel on the front? Oh, those oh, were like, like late 1800s. Ones, like like <laughs> a little honky guy? <laughs> That's a horn, Cassie. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, so, you said it so I didn't have yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> so obviously touring was challenging and travel conditions did not help. The family had to wait for invitations and then wait longer for the reimbursement from nobil- nobility for the travel expenses. They also had to endure long, almost fatal illnesses far from their home. You know, because when you're sick, you want to be in your own bed dying, not in a random city where you don't know anybody. Um, He did not know how to ride a bike because they were not invented Uh until 1817. You're welcome. (laughs) I didn't think so. But still, that fucking dumbass, he could never do that. (laughs) Loser. Okay. (laughs) So after spending a year in Salzburg, Wolfie and Papa went to Italy, leaving mom and sis at home. This tour lasted from December 1769 through March 1771. One and you thought Gaga had a rigorous tour schedule. It hadn't even crossed my mind. <laughs> you weren't thinking about Lady Gaga about this? Okay. No, not even once. I'm appalled. So because Mozart was a hotshot, he crossed paths with a bunch of composers and was inducted into Academia Philharmonica. Academia Philharmonica di Bologna. Wow. Known in English as the Bologna Academy of Music. Um, is a music education institute in how would they actually Bologna, s- Italy. How would they actually say it? How are we supposed to say that? Bologna or it's uh it Bologna. But it for me it's Bologna because they put a G in there. True. Okay. Uh anyways. That's good logic. I like it. <laughs> Phonetics, right? Is that what that is? Mm. Uh, founded in the year of our Lord, 1,666, <laughs> by Vincenzo Maria Carati. Hiya! <laughs> I was like, does that say Mariah Carey? <laughs> Jake's pronunciations are, like, the best. I love yeah. it. Yeah, well, this time around. Uh, Vincenzo oh, wanted did... to bring... Huh? Sorry. I was just going to say, I did hear that we butchered the pronunciations in the black metal and i was like don't tell me i don't want to know how to say it <laughs> yeah i'm not apparently so so appa- familiar with the uh, uh, norwegian apparently it's helvet helvet okay not helvetti but i don't know helvetti sounds fun helvetica yeah that's probably why the font right yeah anyways anyways vincenzo wanted to bring musicians together quote in order to have direction and union so as not to be divided and give forth good music okay between 1713 and 1716, with backing from the Cardinal of Bologna, Pietro de Boni, and the approval of Pope Clement Zai, the Academia <laughs> formed basically a guild for professional musicians. By 1749, Pope Benedict Ziv granted the Academia <laughs> the ability to grant the title of Maestro di Capella or you, Capellmeister, do you know as Roman we numerals? mentioned earlier. <laughs> Well, how do you pronounce XI? Because that's how I pronounce XI. Isn't that 11 or 21? Yeah. X is 10. And I is 1. So 11. I like Ziv, though. Because <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, that's not it. XIV would, XIV would be 14. 14. Yeah, 14. 14. Or Ziv. I like Ziv. 
All right. Okay. Moving forward in the podcast, you must always pronounce the Roman numerals as you would read them. At exactly 4 p.m. on October 9th, 1770, Mozart, at the rightful age of 14, took the entrance exam. He had to write an antiphon selected by the academia in four voices. I'm not entirely sure what four voices means. Maybe four people, yes. four parts. It's four parts, so you would so have it could like be instruments the bass, or voices. The alto, the tenor, the soprano. Just different, four different voices. Okay, like a harmony. So, all right, yeah, like a barbershop quartet. Sure, <laughs> that's uh, our that's our um, caveman brain way of <laughs> describing it. <laughs> Uh, an antiphon is a short chant used in Christian rituals, sung as a chorus, usually in Ambrosian or Gregorian chant, with uh-huh. the lyrics coming from the Book of Psalms in the Bible. Have you ever heard Gregorian chant? Yes. yes. Okay. They're Clear. really cool sounding. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't realize that was a thing for y'all. Bruh. I don't know. Uh, have you ever been to a Catholic Mass and they're they're all praying together? They sound like the Borg from Star Trek. <laughs> Resistance is futile. I have been to a Catholic Mass. Yeah. But I bet you I have been to hundreds more Catholic Masses than either one of you. That's probably <laughs> accurate. I've mostly been to Catholic funerals. They do be dying. <laughs> it's do a regular dying. thing. It takes normal people several hundreds of minutes to write one of these works from scratch. Mm. Mozart did it in, quote, a good half hour. The result of his 30-minute sesh produced what is known as Querite Primum Regnum Dei. That is K86 slash 73V for you catalog nerds out there. Or Seek First the Kingdom of God. Would you like to know how members of the academia voted? They what? used balls. What? White balls for yes. Black balls for no. What the fuck? Would you like to know what type of balls Mozart got? Yeah. He was unanimously accepted to the academia with all white balls. Wow, that's incredible. Interesting. What we should fuck? go back to that method. Yeah, I'm only making decisions with balls now. <laughs> Write that down, Victoria. <laughs> oh, no, well, she's going to put it on the website. Yeah. I just want someone to remind me once we're done recording that I, I can't make any decision unless I... Consult balls. I have to use the balls. <laughs> so when Mozart was in Rome, he heard Gregorio Allegri's Misery... Miserere. Miserere. Twice performed in the Sistine Chapel, but then he goes and writes out the piece from memory, creating the first unauthorized copy of this closely guarded property of the Vatican. That <laughs> little shit. <laughs> Don't let Lars Ulrich find out. He's going to be pissed. <laughs> Somebody's going to be smoking. <laughs> um, while in Milan, Mozart wrote the opera Mitridate Ridi Ponto, which was super successful, and I can't pronounce it. You're gonna it. have to start working on your um, no <laughs> Italian when we're off the air, and you're gonna have to get up to Jake's standard. <laughs> Blogna it uh, that uh, Mitridate Ridi Ponto. The opera, not, yeah, the, the opera, opera he wrote the was successful. Yes. <laughs> uh, that particular one, it was an opera seria or serious style of Italian opera. In three acts, that was heavily influenced by the work of Mozart's friend, Josef Mislivicek. It debuted on December 26th, uh, 1770, and was performed 21 times despite doubts about Mozart's abilities since he was just 14. <laughs> so this led to further opera commissions for him. A couple of years later, Mozart returned to Milan twice with his father for the compositions and premieres of Ascanio in Alba, Jessica, and Lucio Celia? Celia? I don't know. 
His father hoped these visits would actually get Mozart hired professionally somewhere, and at one point, Archduke Ferdinand was contemplated hiring him, but after receiving input from his mother, Empress Maria Theresa, there was no need to employ useless people. Mm. So toward the end of the tour, Mozart wrote the solo motet Exaltate Jubilate K165. Oh, wow, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Mozart returned home from Italy with his father on March 13, 1773, and was employed as a court musician by the ruler of Salzburg. Because Wolfie was popular amongst his friends and admirers, this gave him an opportunity to play around with his sound, symphonies, sonatas, string quartets, you name it. So it's kind of like Metallica when they were like no. at the height of everything, In and they were like, we're just going to like experiment, you know? Like, we kind of want to like branch out. We're going to make a movie, and everyone's going to hate it. So in 1775... Who hated it? Daniel and Brent. Fuck them. They'll never listen to this anyway. <laughs> I think Brent and Morgan still listen. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. Hi. <laughs> so in 1775, Mozart developed a big enthusiasm for violin concertos and produced a series of five. The newer they were, the more complicated they got. So it also turns out Mozart writes more than music. In a letter to his 19-year-old oh, cousin, mm-hmm. whom he supposedly had a crush on, mm-hmm. um, he states... Direct quote, oh, my ass burns like fire, then reports a long, melancholic sound trumpeted by his own ass. Damn, this 18th century sexting got my ass burning like fire. Oh, he must have been hitting up the Taco Bell a lot. Yeah, those existed before bikes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not all. He signs off with a poem offering his cousin 10,000 kisses and writes, we, by the love of my skin, I shit on your nose so it runs down your chin. What a weirdo. Stick to music, my guy. That's so fucking hot. <laughs> I bet it was quite warm. <laughs> There's literally a page on Wikipedia dedicated to scatological humor. Here are some more of his wonderful pieces. Oh, my God. Uh, from another letter to his cousin. Well, I wish you good night, but first shit in your bed and make it burst. <laughs> Sleep soundly, my love. <laughs> Into your mouth, your arse you'll shove. What? It rhymes. It does it's rhyme. It's beautiful. Apparently, he wrote music about shitting, too, not just poems. Uh, but it was something that he and his friends just kind of did when they were drunk. Yeah, they were like 16-year-old They're just doing mm-hmm. it for assholes. Yeah. I, I'm glad you mentioned this because I found that same page, and it was some interesting reading. And it, <laughs> it made him and the people of this era more relatable for me, especially this particular <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's so funny. Because true. we do seem to talk about shit a lot. Uh, I mean, imagine 300 years in the future when somebody's looking back at this for historical context and they're like, wow, those guys talk about shit nonstop. Yeah. Cassie's always talking about No, I did bring it up Well, here we go. Apparently his whole family was into scatological humor. They would uh, include poop jokes in their letters written to each other. Oh, my God. Uh, Turns out, though, that poop jokes may have been a common thing among the lower classes in Germany. They were poor. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, they were. (laughs) It it shows up in examples of uh, popular theater, music, and folklore. Uh, It was described as a counterpoint to high society and the aristocracy of the Mm. time. It was a way for the normal people to make fun of the upper class. And Mozart described aristocrats at an uh, Augsburg concert in 1777 as, quote, the Duchess Smack Arse, the Countess Pleasure Pisser, no. the Princess Stink Mess, and the two princes Potbelly Von Pigdick. <laughs> Potbelly. I thought you made this up. Potbelly no, Von Pigdick. He described some of the aristocrats like that. That's great. Um, so I don't think he had a weird poop, uh, poop kink and wanted to shit on his cousin's face, although you never know. Uh, it really makes him seem like a regular Joe, aside from the prodigy stuff. He wasn't upper class high society like you'd imagine, which is really interesting 
just to have a new perspective on him and just people of that time in general. Yeah. As you said earlier, this poop culture of the time actually made it into his music. In 1782, he wrote Lech mich im Arsch, mm-hmm. K231, literally lick me in my ass, or the equivalent English idiom, kiss my ass. And it is a fucking riot to listen to. Like, you'd expect to hear this performed at a cathedral, like, during mass. <laughs> and it's lyrics? these guys. It's called Lick My Ass. Oh, yeah. It's, it's all, it's, a, uh, it's like a, a quartet or something Wonderful. like that of just guys singing about kissing Kiss my, my ass. ass. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. So in 1776, the piano concertos begin to tickle his fancy as he writes piano concerto number nine in E flat major, K271, considered by critics to be a breakthrough work, as if writing minuets when you're three years old didn't help. Mm -hmm. So when he, you know, even though this is a successful time in Wolfie's life, he's super discontent in Salzburg. He wanted to find a better position and he wanted to be making more money. He was only getting 150 florins a year. Now, I was going to do a wage comparison here, but according to like the New York Times Mm -hmm. now, translating Mozart's 1780s income into florins into dollars is a matter of an educated guesswork because the data on the 18th century prices and consumption habits are sparse. So there's like no direct. Yeah. Well, later on, I did find some more information on what he was making and what things cost uh-huh. later in his career so we'll have a comparison point okay. for that but as far as comparison to dollars like don't fucking know yeah but we'll we'll learn how much he makes in the future compared to this 150 a year yeah so the other reason for his wanting to leave the job was that mozart ultimately wanted to compose operas and he really couldn't do that in this position so in august of 1777 mozart resigned from his position at salzburg and ventured out to find a new job so he's 22 he's in paris with his mother and he's looking for employment the family friend Melchior Grimm, who sounds like a villain, mm-hmm. helps Mozart out and lends them, leads them around for new positions, acting kind of like a manager. Mozart has some employment prospects in Mannheim, but again, nothing happens. At this point, he's broke and starts pawning his own valuables. It really sucks that even Mozart was a fucking starving artist <laughs> in his day. Like, yeah. even Mozart yeah. was a starving artist. Um, there's really no hope in being a musician, so everybody should just give up now. It is strange, but I imagine these composers and musicians might have been for their time a dime a dozen. Yeah. And plus, there's no way to record your stuff and get it out for people to listen to. So you're kind of limited to the town you're working in. Or I guess you could just hope somebody picks up a copy of your score and play it in another country. I mean, the printing press had been out for a couple hundred years by then. I don't know if they were Gutenberg. printing music sheets, mm. like sheet music. I don't know if they were doing I don't know a if that was a thing. A lot of it was handwritten. Well, yeah, but I didn't know if, like, maybe they could have it transcribed onto a printing press. I mean, it's just like trying to get together an album. It's hard. It's expensive. Yeah, Yeah, true. (laughs) So he meets some famous orchestra members in Mannheim and also a lady friend who he falls in love with named Aloysia Weber. I guess. She's a German opera singer and a musical family with three sisters. Apparently, Weber was just 16, but shortly. Oh, I think it's Aloysia. Aloysia? It's a weird uh, name. It is weird. Let's decide. You know, I, put it, I put it into Google Translate and it said Aloysia. Oh, okay. Aloysia. Okay, yeah. so she so was we'll just that, 16, but shortly after meeting her, Mozart had proposed, which that's cute because he's unemployed and essentially homeless. So she's like, I'll consider it. Smart lady. God, Mozart's a hobosexual. What? He's, he likes banging hobos? No, hobosexual. It's the kind of guy who like gets in a relationship because he has nowhere to live. Cassie's dated one wow (laughs) (laughs) just throw her out there so have i but Uh, there's this like a certain type i can't believe you haven't heard of this it's like a certain type of dude that just jumps from relationship to relationship because he has nowhere to live Hmm. 
Um, on top of this, his mother contracts typhoid fever and dies on July 3rd, 1778. According to sources, there had been a delay in getting a doctor to come see her while she was ill, mostly because they had no money. Mozart ends up moving into Mel Choir's house, but they didn't get along very well. Grimm had some strong opinions that Mozart didn't particularly agree with, and after losing his mother and feeling alone, Mozart was pretty disappointed with Paris in general and unfortunately talks a bunch of crap about French people. You know, Weird Al did a style parody of Frank Zappa called Genius in France. <laughs> wow. Is that Thank, so? Thanks for your enthusiasm there. What is it supposed there? to be a joke about? <laughs> the song sort of alludes to the comedian Jerry Lewis being a respected actor and filmmaker in France, but in the U.S. he was seen as a, a big oaf. Huh. But he really uh, was poking fun at the French and the, their stereotypes. It's good stuff. All right. Since Mozart was all the way in Paris, Leopold was attempting to find Mozart a job back in Salzburg, I guess, to be close with the rest of the fam. However, Mozart gets support from local nobility and is offered a post at the court or as the court organist and concertmaster. The annual salary was 450 florins, but he was hesitant to take the position. Boy, that's 300 more than you were True. making. True. So... Mozart moves out of Grimm's house and finally leaves Paris because he hates the French. And on a visit to Munich, he runs into Aloysia, who either pretended not to know him or actually forgot who he was. <laughs> Obviously, she's no longer interested in his proposal and seeing as how she's already married to someone else oh. and is with child. Whose child is she her with? Her own. Oh. Um, <laughs> she was pregnant. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Ew. She's a success or a success. <laughs> she is a successful singer with a tall, handsome actor for a husband. I love that she totally pretended to like draw a blank when he showed back up. She was like, "Wait, what? I don't who remember you? who are you. You propose <laughs> with a queen." <laughs> Meanwhile, she's telling her friends like this crazy dude. Oh my god, I've never met him. Yeah. <laughs> So Mozart is pissed and writes a lyric containing the lyrics, the one who doesn't want me can lick my butt. Very mature. Wasn't he just telling his cousin to lick his butt? I mean, if he's saying, hey, go lick my butt, is that like an insult or is <laughs> that like said a there desire? wasn't a poop kink there, but I think he's wrong. Uh, well, no, he wanted to have, he wanted her <laughs> to have explosive diarrhea in bed and then he wanted to shit on her face. Oh cousin. God. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right, that's, right, that's right, yeah. what was right, going on there. Right. Keep it in okay. the family. Um, <laughs> which is what they did back then. Okay. Um, I actually just watched this video where they were talking about how certain nobility had specific jawlines that would just get longer because of all of the like distortion with the genes because they mm -hmm. were constantly just sleeping with. That's what they do with dogs. So yeah, their their faces just got to be this like long extended like the crimson chin from Jimmy Neutron. Nice. Is the crimson chin from Jimmy Neutron? Or was it? No, fairly it's uh, odd fairly odd parents. parents. Sorry. It's like, I thought he was specifically two-dimensional. No, it's fine. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so it's fine. Mozart gets his ultimate revenge in the end by marrying Aloysia's younger sister, Constanze. He does marry her, but I guess he's fine with Aloysia because he writes a bunch of pieces for her to perform because okay. she's a singer. Yeah, so I, I know it's the 1700s, but Aloysia was already six years younger than him. So I'm like, so, so how, much, how old is Constanze? Didn't they um, marry kids at like 12? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, he thought that Constance was a babe, but he tried to keep his dad from finding out, saying she's only pretty and that she has two small black eyes and a good figure. But, uh, you know, this man really has a way with his words. Indeed. I'm taking notes as we speak. <laughs> he wrote <laughs> lyrics, though. <laughs> anyway. So Leopold knew that something was up. Like Mozart was trying to hide this desire for Constance from his dad, but he was like, no, something's going on and I don't like it. 
Leopold continued to write letters to Wolfgang, basically making him feel like a loser dropout instead of an actually accomplished composer. Nice. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) So finally, Mozart decided to come clean about his true feelings for Constance in a letter to his dad saying, I've decided to first make sure I've got some money coming in. It's not too hard to survive here with the odd godsend. And then to get married. But who's the girl I love? Well, don't blow your top. Surely not one of the Webbers. Well, yes, actually one of the Webbers. Not Josepha, not Sophie, Constance. <laughs> so these, he, they, had like, they had like four or five sisters or something, and he was into the one she got married, and then he married the other. In January 1781, Idomenio, Mozart's opera premiered with some considerable success in Munich. In March, Mozart is summoned to Vienna, where Archbishop Colorado... His employer is attending celebrations of the ascension to the throne. Colorado wanted Mozart to be a musical servant, but he had bigger plans for himself. So Mozart decided to settle in Vienna as a freelance performer and composer. The courtship between Constanz and Mozart didn't go too smoothly. The couple briefly separated in April 1782, but got back together. Leopold did not approve and wouldn't give permission for the marriage. However, in August, the two were finally married. And the next day, the father's consent letter had arrived in the mail. I can't imagine needing to have my parents consent to do anything as a grown-ass adult. He's in his mid-twenties, for fuck's sake. He only had until about 35 to live. (laughs) (laughs) He's almost a senior citizen at that point. So the couple ends up having six children, but only two of them survive. Um, So the age gap wasn't actually as bad as I thought it might have been at first. Mozart was 26 and Constance was 20. Um, Basically, once Mozart had moved back to Vienna, he moved in with the Weber girls um, as th- their father had died, so they didn't have like a man of the household. Oh. Um, it got to be a little too much once it was clear that he was interested in Constance, so the girl's mother had him move out. Eventually, Frau Weber grew to like Mozart and thought that he actually might be a good fit for Constance. So when they separated for that brief period, Cassie mentioned, it was over a fight following a party game. It sounds like it was a game of truth or dare, and Constance was dared to let another dude measure her calves. Giggity. (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm just like, what fixation do you need to know how big someone's calves are? Well, you know, ankles were a turn on back then. Yeah, they weren't weren't allowed to look at anything. They couldn't see women's legs. So calves were (laughs) just as scandalous. Yeah. Maybe he was just trying to fit her in some leggings. Who knows? (laughs) So anyways, she had to let some dude at a party measure her calf. And then Mozart was shocked and appalled that his girls be in such a slut. Oh, my God. And he broke up with her. Uh, But they did get back together, as Cassie said. Oh, yes. So evidence also suggests that Mozart was a classic obsessive compulsive who had fixations on certain objects, thoughts, and repetition of ideas. In letters to his wife, he expressed an irrational fear of her leaving their home. He also had a fear of her drowning in the bath. A note to her reads, I entreat you to take a bath only every other day and only for an hour. But if you want me to feel quite easy on the mind, do not take them at all until I'm again with you. I mean, honestly, like every other day for an hour is pretty damn good hygiene for that day, I'd say. Yeah. As long as she's using soap, she'll probably be fine. It's not like women were out doing hard labor all day back then. Or maybe they were. I don't know. Depends on the Like class. She, she'd be yeah, pretty fresh. Yeah, I'm sure somewhere. She still fresh. showers more than a man does currently. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thank you. 100%. Gross. 
Yeah, taking baths wasn't high on the list of hygiene practices, uh, even in the upper class back then. What the upper class would do is wear white linens or undergarments, whatever you want to call them. It's the, the, piece, of, uh, the piece of clothing that was touching their skin. Uh, and they believed it would absorb the body's impurities, and that's what kept them clean. That's the dumbest shit I've ever so heard. So they'd basically get these white clothes all grungy, and I'm assuming they would wash them, not just throw them out, but... Once they got all grungy, be like, okay, I need to change my clothes so I can stay clean. I mean, I guess it's a good way to tell if you are dirty, if your clothes all have shit yeah. stains in them because they're <laughs> well, white. Yeah. <laughs> like, better wash My this. new shirt is brown. Yeah, what do well, I do? So that's where the things like white collars and cuffs being visible outside of your clothing. It indicated that you're not fucking dirty. <laughs> yeah, indicated how clean you were and also to kind of show your status that you could afford to be clean, quote, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Uh, around this time, uh, late 1700s, bathing was actually growing more popular among the wealthy and as a new way to distinguish themselves from the lower classes. They finally realized that smelling like shit kind of sucks. Well, like, sometimes. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, this trickles down to the emerging middle class at the time and, and the technology progresses. So indoor plumbing wasn't really a thing until the early mid 1800s. And even then you had to be rich to have it. So, uh, and drawing a bath was probably fairly labor intensive, I would imagine, because yeah, no yeah. running water, so obviously no heater. Buckets. Yeah, they, they, they had to heat it up, and yeah, you just probably just keep over. the same water in there and just use it over and over again. It's fine; you just boil it, and then you hop in. <laughs> Gross. Um, so Mozart has also been depicted as quirky but lovable a man who occasionally engaged in childlike, irresponsible behavior. In reality, it's suggested that Mozart had copro... Oh, gosh. Coprolalia? Lalia? Okay. Which is repetitive use of obscene language, you know, like all the poop talk from before. His brother-in-law, Joseph Lang, who, as we mentioned before, stated, never was Mozart less recognizably a great man in his conversations and actions than when he was busied with important work. He took delight in throwing into sharp contrast the divine ideas of his music with these sudden outbursts of vulgar platitudes. Wow, I'm glad people still don't talk like this. Um, <laughs> other relatives describe Mozart's behavior as hyperactive with frequent facial tics and obsessive compulsive tendencies. Some suggest these symptoms add up to a textbook case of Tourette's syndrome. Fuck salt. Bob Saget. Okay. Ah, shit. Fuck, I fuck, remember. fuck, 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 fuck. Piss. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am aware of the meme now. <laughs> uh, now that we've talked about his eccentricities, let's talk about his look. Uh, he was small, thin, pale, unremarkable, but super vain. He had an expensive taste, wearing fancy garments and a white wig. His dating profile would list him enjoying pool, dancing, and pets. He had various birds, a dog, and a horse. So, obviously, they didn't have cameras back then, but I did include... Uh, two versions of what Mozart may have looked like for you two to look at. And if you're following along at home, you can look these pictures up. Uh, there is one of a dude in a, a dude in a frilly red coat with a wig holding a chocolate ball. Uh, it is what many people assume he looked like when in fact that is an image used by Mirabelle for their range of Mozart themed chocolates. Uh, Mozart Kugel or Mozart balls yeah. first appeared in 1890 in Salzburg, created by confectioner Paul First. Unfortunately, Mozart had been dead for a hundred years already and did not get to taste his own balls. <laughs> um, they're marzipan and chocolate. They're actually pretty good. And I'm sure he would have enjoyed eating his balls. 
I mean, I have certainly enjoyed. You've had Mozart's, Mozart's balls, balls in your mouth. <laughs> you had to consult the balls. I had Mozart's balls in my mouth, um, and I don't think he looked like this picture. Yes, no, uh, he looks like a like George Washington and Sam Adams combined there. Yeah. So the other picture I included is an unfinished portrait of Mozart, and as far as I know, it's the only portrait of Mozart that was ever done, or at least still in existence. Why they had that hair? It was. Uh, I don't know. It was popular, I guess. It like it's Beethoven. cheaper than a wig. Um, yeah, but this this picture was actually started by Josef Lange, the man who married Aloysia Weber. So uh, Constanza says it was by far the best likeness of him. So that's probably what he looked like. <laughs> so in 1782, Mozart discovered Bach and Handel, who were Baroque composers, and their style influenced his own work on Die Zauberflute, or the Magic Flute, and Symphony Number no. 41. He then met Joseph Hayden, a classical composer, and began working with him on quartets. Hayden attempted to tell Leopold how talented Wolfgang was, saying, I tell you before God and as an honest man, your son is the greatest composer known to me by person and repute. He has taste and what is more, the greatest skill in composition. Leopold could not be reached for comment. The Beatles were really imitating Mozart when they did the rooftop show, for real. And around 1782, Mozart, that's when he started booking random weird spaces for solo, piano, concertos. Um, so he really started the trend. Uh. And that included a <laughs> giant room in an apartment building. He also booked a show at a ballroom of a restaurant. His concerts were hot. And the intimate settings created a really cool connection between himself and his audience. Finally, Mozart was rolling in some cash, and he and Constance could live lavishly. Their yearly rent jumped up to 460 florins after they moved to a giant luxury apartment. And so for comparison, remember, he used to just be making 150 a year. So mm -hmm. now his rent is 460 for the Ugh. year. He bought a giant forte piano for 900 florins a pool table for 300 florins, and then he sent his kids, uh, one of his kids to a fancy boarding school. He even had servants. So for him to be able to afford all this shit at this time, he's got to be making like thousands of florins a year. So he's rich. He's famous. What's next? The Illuminati. Mozart becomes a Freemason in 1784. Indeed. He, had, uh, he and several of his friends were Masons, and it remained a part of his life until he died. Uh, Freemasons began around the end of the 13th century and formed from local guilds of stonemasons who created a, like a regulatory body for stonemasonry. Basically, you have to fall within this set of standards to be considered a, like a legit mason. That's what I got of it. Obviously, Mozart wasn't a stonemason, and he did compose Masonic music, most notably Maurerische Trauermusik, which is uh, Mason funeral music, and C minor K-477. Uh, I'd tell you more about the Freemasons, but honestly, I read maybe a paragraph about it and became severely bored. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a boys club for the rich and powerful with many conspiracy theories surrounding them uh, about controlling the world behind the scenes. You're so. not supposed, like as the, the group is, you're not supposed to know more about the group than the group does. Like, that's what I've heard. I mean, whatever. It's just a fucking fraternity of nerds. Yeah, um, that's all it is. So moving on from his piano soloing and concertos, Mozart returned to opera in 1786 with one we're all familiar with, The Marriage of Figaro. <laughs> this became one of his most famous works, along with another opera, Don Giovanni. Unfortunately, Leopold never got to witness the premieres as he died on May 28th of 1787, a day before... Jake's birthday, which was 
also in 1787. <laughs> Finally, Mozart. I'll take it. <laughs> Wait, how did he die? Uh, he's fucking old. So, uh, finally, Mozart found steady work as the chamber composer for Emperor Joseph II, now making 800 florins a year and composing pieces for the annual dances and balls. Back to balls. Uh, So he's not making that much money. He spent more. He spent 100 florins more um, just on that piano I mentioned earlier than his new annual salary. So he did. It seems like he took a little cut there. Joseph wanted Mozart to stay in Vienna, so at that point he was not traveling and playing as much. Like he couldn't go on tour or whatever because mm. he's working for the courts. So um, additionally, the Austro-Turkish War was going on, so focus drew away from the local music scene. Mozart's money started to disappear, um, and you know he wasn't really like saving appropriately when he was on top of the world. So in seven in seventeen eighty eight, his family moved to the suburbs. You'd think that he was doing this to save money because he came on tough times. But instead, this dude kept his rent exactly the same and just got a bigger house. So he's not very financially savvy. Uh, Mozart had started borrowing money from his Freemason homies, writing pitiful letters, asking for handouts. It's theorized uh, by some that he was battling depression, which is understandable after his productivity and his income had slowed because he was kind of like irrelevant. He was trying And he was making some big trips to German cities to hopefully earn some more cash. In 1791, he seemed to be getting back on his feet. He was in better spirits. He was composing some super famous works like the Magic Flute and Requiem. Um, He had started to make some more money gathering pledges from rich folks to write some more compositions. But that same year, his health took a turn for the worst. Mozart's opera La Clemenza di Tito was set to premiere in Prague on September 6th of 1791. And while in town for the show, he fell ill. Within months, he couldn't even get out of bed. Mozart was suffering from pain, swelling, and vomiting. He died on December 5th of 1791. It was officially suspected that he died from severe military fever, but that's really just a rash. It's more of a symptom than a diagnosis. Like, it's one... You don't die from a rash. So, like, to say that he died from military fever is like, what? Um, So, anyways, nobody really knows what the deal was. Uh, There have been over 100 theories proposed for how Mozart died. Um, Some of the more popular ones include rheumatic fever, strep, trichinosis, the flu, mercury poisoning, or kidney failure. So... We don't know. Um, Nobody attended his funeral other than his family and a handful of musicians. However, there were services and concerts held in Vienna and Prague that were just completely packed out. An unprecedented wave of enthusiasm had taken over for Mozart's reputation after his death. Um, Mozart obviously inspired a new wave of composers to come, including Ludwig van Beethoven, who was about 15 years younger than him. That's that. And it said, like, when I was looking up where he was buried, um, he was buried in a common grave, which those after so many years, like, the only people who got to stay in their gravesite were nobility and, like, aristocrats Mm -hmm. and stuff. So the common people, which he was common, um, they would get dug up, like, every 10 years or something and put into, I'm, I'm guessing, just, like, unmarked areas so but if you go to austria and you go to salzburg um they've got like literally everything has to do with mozart so it just sucks that during his lifetime he didn't really have that much he he was famous and he was successful but like it it's interesting how it takes dying to like 
blow the fuck up. Yeah. Like we've learned with our 27 club season and Mm -hmm. like Kurt Cobain and Jim Morrison, like their story is so much bigger than these guys because they died really young. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyways, I I was listening to the music while I was writing this and I should have wrote down more of them, but I, I picked out a couple of them that I recognized immediately. So one of them being uh, Piano Sonata number 16 in C major, that's KE 545. Uh, the Hawksite, uh, Figaro, K492, that's The Marriage of Figaro. That mm-hmm. Everybody knows that one. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly what the Piano Sonata one is, but if you listen to it, you've probably heard it before. Ina Kleina Nacht Music, K525, that's the one that's featured in Tenacious D's uh, Classico. You will recognize that one, obviously. That's a very popular one of his. Um, another one that's pretty recognizable, and uh, uh, I didn't realize that oh. somebody I listened to made a song out of it is Requiem K626, the Lacrimosa movement. So Evanescence on their second maybe, album. Maybe that's why I recognize this, because you used to listen to Evanescence a lot. I still listen to them. Okay, I was around when you listened to Evanescence before. Yeah, so anyways. That did sound familiar, Lacrimosa. Yeah, so they... She literally put the song Lacrimosa on there. She wanted to do something with Mozart, and that was her like her favorite piece. So she, there's an interesting story. I think there was supposed to be, she wrote that to be put in a movie or something like that, but the people that were making the movie was like, no, that's not true. We never even called you for that or whatever. But she ended up making the song anyways and ended up on the album. And it's a really cool it's song. It's like wishful thinking when you put the vibes out there in the universe. And they're like, yeah, well, you already did it, so we'll just take it. Yeah. And they're um, like, uh, we don't know you. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> what funny. band are you in? We'll have yeah. to do a mini episode on that. Um, <laughs> a more recent one that I found probably this year, I think. It's a guy named, I think it's Apache, A-P-A-S-H-E. Um, Those are was, like EDM. Yeah, he was. he's heavily inspired by Mozart and classical music. And he actually released, I want to, I don't know if it's an EP. It's got like three songs on it. And mm-hmm. it's called Requiem. And it's, it's, it's Requiem. It's it Mozart's Requiem. Awesome. Yeah. And his, his version of, of Lacrimosa, I think, was the best one on that. Mm-hmm. But I heard that. I, I discovered that while playing GTA because I got that station, one of the stations I listened to. It popped up on there. And he's like, this sounds like Evanescence. And he's, you know, then the lyrics in the song is like, oh, that's Mozart. And like, what the fuck <laughs> you know so it's pretty cool the, no yeah the, that album was really good i was listening to it the other night making dinner and i was like damn i put it on my speaker and i turned it all the way up and i was like drinking wine in my yeah. kitchen and i was like fuck yeah this shit is tight it's a good uh, song and then i started looking for more like edm remixes of mozart stuff and mm-hmm. all of it sucks um, except for that album so i'm gonna build a playlist well i guess did you do it i didn't do it okay you can do it i'm gonna i'll do it okay Oh, yeah, they're up here already. Um, Tenacious D, Evanescence, and then Apache were the main ones. But yeah. then pretty much everything that we listed in here, all the K, I whatever know, I'll numbers. Go through. I'll go through and get the playlist together. So by the time this comes out, there will be a playlist, and it will be fucking awesome. Like, this is it was, it was re- fun. It's really good music. I mean, it would be very, it would be a very hot take of me to be like, Mozart sucks. So I'm not going to say <laughs> it. Um, he's he's pretty Just good. Just cut that out and quote it, <laughs> Alex. Mozart sucks. Mozart balls in my mouth. Mozart sucks. <laughs> cool. Well, that's super fun. I think we're gonna do Aretha Franklin next. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be super fun. Make sure you tune in next Wednesday for Aretha Franklin. She's awesome. That's also gonna be a really fucking good playlist. Ugh, our playlists are so good. 
Find wow. we have like a separate profile on Spotify for those. There's this one which we can only post podcasts to, and then the music playlists we have to have like a regular profile for. So that one is Death by Podcast Team. If you look that up, you can find all of them. And um, yeah, check out our website. It is deathbypodcastteam.com. My sister made it. It's dope. And do we have anything else to talk about? Cassie, you were breathing real heavy into the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Did you hear that, Jake? No. Um, I've heard her do it before, though. I was like, I'll be like, is that me? And I'll like move away and I still hear it. Like, all right, (laughs) never mind. I took my headphones off, so I had no idea. Sorry. Oh, fun fact. What? The catalog system they use for Mozart's music, Mm. you can just put the numbers into Spotify and it'll pull it up. So you don't have to have like the title. It doesn't have to say piano sonata number 16 in C major. You can just put in K4 or 545. Honestly, and I it'll wish pull that, it up. that's easier. I wish he just named his songs like that because looking up piano sonata in whatever kind of bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Number seven e is flat like minor. confusing. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't very good at naming songs back then. Yeah. No, that wasn't their goal. Well, a lot. Yeah. A lot of them didn't have. They didn't know that titles. we were going to be searching on Spotify for it. So they it. were just little pieces. Yeah. Yeah. It's really <laughs> inconsiderate of them, honestly. So, okay. Um, I don't really have, I don't know what else to talk about. So I, I think we're going to end it. I'm done. I'm so yeah. fucking over this shit. <laughs> um, was that you quitting the podcast? Like no. If we, if we come back next week, you're still going to be here, right? Yeah, that's my okay. house. Oh, oh, right. That's true. <laughs> you're not moving. That'd be crazy. No. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us. I've been watching our subscribers go up. Rest in peace. Peace. Bye. Later. Later, Music by Demons at Demons Band on Instagram. Artwork by Mike Johnson. Writing and production by Cassie Gardner, Alex Motler, and Jake.